So we are continuing today with our discipleship series, and it's a real privilege to invite back um, uh, an, an old, an old young person. Does that make sense? Uh, a young person. You're still young to me because I'm getting older. But uh, Megan Sawyer. So Sarah was our family's worker here for for years and years and years. And uh, Megan is Sarah and Mark's daughter. Uh, Megan is a youth uh, worker in at Saint. Lawrence, that was it. I said something Augustine's last week. I was completely wrong. I'm so sorry. Uh, but it's a real pri- privilege to have Megan with us today and her disciple, I'm going to call you. Maisie, is that all right? Maisie's going to help Megan out when Megan gets stuck, so it's all good. Um, I'm going to invite you up, Megan. Can we have a round of applause for Megan? All right. Just going to pray for you. Yeah. Father God, we thank you for our sister in Christ, Megan. Lord, we thank you for her faithfulness to you. We thank you for her love for you. We thank you for the passion she has for young people, to see them know you, to see them grow in you. Lord, we thank you for her ministry in Reading. Lord, we just pray a blessing upon her now as she shares your word with us, what you've put on her heart for our church, Jesus. Empower her, anoint her. Lord, we pray in your powerful name. Amen. Thanks. Hi, I'm Megan, um, as you now know. Um, This is a really, really weird out-of-body experience for me because I grew up in that building, essentially. I didn't live there, but I grew up with that building being my church and so uh, and heard a lot about the building project sort of before I uh, turned 18 and then moved away to uni. And so being back here in this building is really weird because I feel like I know lots of faces but there's also a lot of people that I've never seen before um so thanks for having me it's really cool to be here um and hopefully I might have something useful to share but uh we'll see um so I grew up in Warsash really close to here um and like I said was essentially part of this church from the day I was born really um And so I grew up through children's work here and through youth work here. Um, And I have massively benefited from the investment and the discipleship that I received as a child and as a young person. Um, So it's really cool to be here to share about some of that and about some of my experience now as a youth worker. Um, As Jim said, I'm a youth worker. I'm not, I think he called me a ladies worker last week. Um, I'm not that. Um, I did I did join St. Lawrence as a girls worker, so um, I was there specifically to do pastoral work with teenage girls, um, but I wasn't quite a ladies worker, I think that sounds a bit fancier than what I actually was, um, but I'm now just the youth worker um, at St. Lawrence Church, and we are a church right in Reading Town Centre whose mission it is to see unchurched young people come to faith and build church with them. Um, And so the young people that we work with are quite a mixture of children and young people that come from church families and who have grown up in the church, um, and a mixture of young people also that we've got to know through schools work or just from other settings outside of the church, um, some of whom have come from really challenging backgrounds. And because of our mission, all of these young people are right at the heart of our church community. They are the point of everything that we do. We have a responsibility because of our mission to invest in them, to nurture them, to grow them, um, and to love and serve them as part of our community. 
Um, with me today, as Jim said again, um, is one of our very lovely young people, Maisie, who's going to pop up. She's going to pop up and down quite a bit because she's going to help me out today um, and do the bits that, that I forget. So she's going to come up now um, and I'm just going to intro her and she's going to do some Bible readings throughout um, and I'm going to ask her to chat a little bit about her experience of discipleship um, towards the end. But firstly, what's your name? Yeah, great. People know that already. Um, how old are you? 14. Great. Um, we're going to do some would you rathers, which I haven't thought of previously. So uh, would you rather have tea or coffee? Tea. Great. Um, sweets or chocolate? Sweets. Uh, summer or winter? Summer. Uh, I'm running out now. City or countryside? I've stumped City. her now. City. Um, and I'll think of one more... Uh, Oh, she's, that doesn't work though. Portsmouth or Southampton? Do you care? She doesn't care. <laughs> she literally doesn't care. Reading? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere else? Yeah, cool. Um, and what's your favourite thing about St Lawrence? Um, probably the community and when we go out and like play games all together and just spend time together outside. Cool. Thanks, Maisie. Um, she's going to now sit back down and then she's going to run back up again in a minute. But give her a round of applause. Um, I think St. Lawrence is great, and I think Maisie... Do you think St. Lawrence is great? She does. She's nodding. Um, I think it's great, and I could go on about it for hours and hours and hours, but that's not actually why I'm here, so I won't. You'll be pleased to know. Um, But the reason I share some of that stuff is because that's my context. That's where I'm coming from. Um, And it's where, um, alongside where I grew up, it's where a lot of my learning and my experience comes from. Um, it's a community that lives discipleship, essentially. Like, it's the heart of everything that we do with the young people that we're connected to. And if young people aren't your thing, um, firstly, why not? Um, that's fine. We all have our own passions, I guess. Um, but if young people aren't, like, your thing, if you're not involved with young people, please don't switch off. Um, I'd love you to still tune in, because I think a lot of my learning is stuff that can be applied whatever context you're in, whoever you're engaging with. Um, yeah, so I'm going to do this in kind of three parts. So we'll start with our relationships with Jesus um, and then talk a little bit about how our relationship with Jesus flows over into how we invest in others um, and then talk about how those that we invest in, we also have a lot to learn from. Um, and if that didn't make any sense, it's fine. Just bear with. Um, but discipleship, for me, uh, I think starts with Jesus. It has to start there. We have relationships with Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. We know him and everything we are and everything we do comes out of that relationship. And so the first reading that Maisie is going to run up for, she's going to get really tired legs. I'm so sorry about this. We should have just got you a little sofa at the front. Um, the first reading that Maisie is going to give us is uh, the passage about the vine and the branches in John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless it, you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Thanks. Um, so this is our starting point. Uh, like the vine and the branches, everything we are comes out of Jesus. He disciples us constantly. It's a constant process of pruning us and growing us and nurturing us. If we, in our relationships with others and in how we disciple others, if we're not pointing back to him and we're just living life alongside people, being nice to people, that's great, but it's not really the point. We can all be nice to people, or at least I'd hope most of us can manage to be nice to people. Um, But it's just being nice, which is fine, but in this passage it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We are essentially fruitless without Jesus. And so our attempts at discipleship are fruitless without Jesus. And it's not a one-time thing. I think ensuring that that's where we're coming from and that that's where we're living out of is a constant conscious choice. It's deliberate, it's an investment, and it's really intentional. And I think if we stop being conscious of it and we stop being aware of it, it just fades into the background and it's really easy to let that happen. But then at that point, we're just going through the motions of discipling. It's not a meaningful thing. It's not going to produce fruit. Our starting with Jesus and remaining in him will vary for all of us. Um, but I think generally for people, it involves a good mixture of opting into our communities It involves putting ourselves around people who can encourage us and who can challenge us and who can invest in us. And for me, at the moment, I think it involves a lot of listening to worship. I find that's really helpful for centering myself. I find it really helpful for blocking out the noise of um, our messy lives and helping me to focus on the point of what I do. Um, And also for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people in the room, it involves being part of small groups where you can be around people, where you're investing in each other um, and you're empowering each other. Um, My second point is that if we've got us or me or you and Jesus, that's great. And we're producing good fruit, but we need something to do with that fruit. And I think the most obvious place to put that stuff is in the people around us. Um, Maisie is going to pop back up again. She's rolling her eyes at me because I'm making her get up and sit down, but it's okay. Um, she's going to pop up again for the next Bible passage, which is about faith and works from James 2. What good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have, have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and will show you my faith by my works. Great, thanks. Um, So we are getting all this really good input from our relationships with Jesus. We're being fed spiritually. Um, But what are we actually going to do with it? How are we discipling others out of that relationship? I think I've often heard discipleship talked about as just reading the Bible together or worshipping together or coming to church or talking about Jesus together. 
Um, And it is those things, and those things are really important in our lives as disciples of Jesus. But I think actually it's so much bigger than that. It's so much more vibrant um, and more life-giving than just that stuff. I think to truly disciple others, we have to live life alongside them. We have to do life together. And you might disciple someone by reading the Bible with them or praying with them. And I do a lot of that as a church youth worker. Like That's very much my context. But I think if that's the only interaction I had with the young people that I work with, it would it would be a little bit meaningless. It falls flat because it just is words. And whilst words can do a lot, I think by living faith with people, we actually teach them a lot more than just that. If we're just talking about what it means to live a life of faith in Jesus, it's just theoretical and we can't see what it really looks like. In the passage Maisie just read, it says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? And I love that because I love those moments where the Bible gets slightly sarcastic and is like, come on, do you really think that's the point? Um, But I think in my experience, the most significant experiences I have had of discipleship are not really those where I've sat and read the Bible with someone. I think those have had an impact on me, and I've been fed by those. But the things that still impact me now, and that I can see making me and shaping me into who I am now, are the times when people have encouraged me or challenged me, and shown me what it looks like to actually live out this stuff. In our context, or in my context, as a church with young people at its heart, Faith in action or this idea of living discipleship is fundamental to how we do community with young people. Discipling these young people is not just about the formal expressions of church, like coming to church, worshipping, praying, reading the Bible. Um, It's not just about those things, but it's so much more. It's about how we speak to each other, how we treat each other, how we serve each other, how we respond to difficult situations. It's about how we love and how we walk alongside the people that we're living in community with. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story about one of my young people. Um, She is a young person I first met when I joined St. Lawrence as the girls worker in 2018, I think. Um, she was part of our youth club. She'd been there for years before I had. Um, and we didn't get on initially, which is slightly terrifying when you're brand new and you're coming in as a youth worker and you're thinking, they hate me. What am I supposed to do? Um, but she didn't warm to me. She wasn't a fan, which is fine. Um, slightly offensive, but it's okay. Um, but she, she didn't like me because I was, I was new and I was unfamiliar, familiar and I was coming into her safe space. I was coming into the space that she knew and she didn't know me and so I was just an intruder really as far as she was concerned. Um, But as I got to know her and started building a relationship with her I learned about her life, about where she's coming from, about what her background is um, and about who she is. She is a young person who has grown up experiencing significant neglect. She has been in and out of care Um, When a parent was around, it was usually under the influence of drugs or alcohol. She didn't have food at home. She didn't have a bed to sleep in. She didn't have school uniform. Um, She didn't have just basic levels of emotional engagement or support. Her life has been really, really hard. And 
to a larger extent, it remains really, really hard. A couple of years ago, having just started sixth form, she made the decision to move out of her mum's house um, because of the impact that it was having on her well-being. And so at 16 years old, she became legally homeless. And she sofa surfed for a few months um, and eventually, through social services, um, was brought into supported housing. But she was essentially alone. She is now 18 years old and still lives in this supported housing. But she is about to come to the end of her two years at sixth form. She's about to take her A-level exams. Um, she's applied for university. She's working part-time to support herself. Um, and she inspires me enormously. I feel like every conversation I have with her, I come away like, oh, wow, <laughs> like this is why I do what I do because of young people like her. Um, her strength and her resilience inspires me enormously. Her willpower and her drive to not be defined by those really hard circumstances inspires me. She has ultimately got to this point because of who she is, because of her own strength. But what we've been able to do as a church community and a community whose mission it is to support young people is disciple her and love her through it. This is not, sadly, an uncommon story for a lot of young people who are part of our church. And the call on our church to love and serve young people means that we have a real responsibility to walk through these challenging situations with young people. We have a responsibility to be Jesus with them, to fill the gaps that they have in their lives, um, and to just to approach them in the same way that Jesus would have approached them. For us, it looks like picking them up from school and taking them food shopping so that there is actually food to eat at home. It looks like buying school uniform with them. It looks like sitting for hours and filling in sixth form applications um, so that their education is going to continue, so that it doesn't just stop where social services stop being interested in it. It's calling social services with them to figure out why a social worker hasn't been in contact and why they're not getting any support. It's sitting in Costa with this particular young person while she breaks down and cries because she's so frustrated and disappointed and hurt that her parents couldn't just be parents to her like she thinks everyone else's parents are. It's praying with her and it's speaking over her about her identity as a daughter of God and how that has so much more meaning and how that gives her so much more worth than how she's been made to feel. It's assuring her that we are with her in this and that we will do everything we can to support her and love her and get her to the places she wants to get to. It's about entering into those really, really hard, dark places with the people around you. It's about being with them and loving them and walking through things with them and going where Jesus would have gone. It's about loving them because God first loved us. It might not look like what we typically think discipleship looks like, but I think if discipleship is the call that Jesus has on our lives to live out his word, to live out who he is and to live out that example that he sets for us, I think it absolutely is discipleship. Ultimately, all those years ago, if I had just blundered in and started spouting off Bible verses to her, I think firstly, she might have uh, 
wanted to fight me. Um, but also, I'd have just alienated her. Like, it just instantly puts a barrier up because it communicates that I'm not interested in forming a relationship with you. It just communicates that I've got my own agenda. I want to talk to you. I want to convert you. I want to make you think the same way that I think. And it's not the point. The point is that I go in and love her and that I do what Jesus would have done. And so your examples of discipleship might not look like that. In fact, they probably won't look like that for a lot of you because we're in different contexts. Um, But I would really encourage you to look at the situations that you're in, whether it's your family or your friends or your home or your workplace or other community spaces that you're part of. Look around those spaces and think about how you're representing Jesus. How are you being Jesus to those people? How are you doing what Jesus would do? So my last thing is, um, we've got Jesus, we've got us, and then we've got others. And I'm going to suggest that we flip it around and talk about how, as we're discipling others, we can learn from them and that that teaches us so much about who Jesus is. Uh, In a second, Maisie is going to run up once more and read the next Bible passage. And this, uh, we were talking about this in the car on the way down this morning, and Maisie said this is one of her favourite stories, so that works out quite well. Um, But this is a section about the story of Ruth and Naomi, um, and we are going to dive in just after Naomi has lost her husband and her two sons. Then Naomi said to her, two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your, fu- become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if, I, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter, than, it is more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At, the, at this they wept aloud again. Then, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If even death separates you and me, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Great, thanks. Um, So, why this reading? It might not be the most obvious pair that you think of when you think about discipleship, um, but I would suggest that actually these two have a huge amount to teach us um, about what it means to love each other and what it means to be Jesus to each other. So Ruth had married into Naomi's family and they had gone through so much life and learning and pain together. 
Naomi would have really been a mother figure to Ruth. Um, And so as they went through their respective grief, they loved each other as God loved them. Ruth loved Naomi and cared for her in the same way that Naomi had loved Ruth. Their relationship was equal and they cared for and loved and invested in each other. But these two were discipling each other and loving one another as God called them to before discipleship even really became a thing. I mean, I'd say it's been a thing anyway, but without it having to be this constructed concept for them, they were just modeling what they knew of God to each other. They invested in each other, they received from each other, and they gave to each other. Um, In conversations that I had with Jim as we were leading up to today, um, he mentioned a verse that I'd been thinking of a lot as well, um, which is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, which says, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. And in my experience, at least as an adult, I don't want to speak for anyone who knew me as a young person, um, but I think discipleship's so two-way. I don't disciple young people or those around me because I think I know it all or because I've got my life together or because I've got some great depth of wisdom and knowledge and understanding that I can generously impart on these young people. Um, I don't know it all. In fact, I think I know very little, really. Um, I don't even understand what it looks like to have it all together, let alone how to actually be like that. Um, And I think I'm as much of a mess as the next person, because aren't we all, really? Aren't we all a bit of a mess? Um, But I disciple because I have a perspective, and because I have God's love to share, and because I am called to disciple and to be Jesus to other people. And discipling these young people that I'm around all the time, I think teaches me a lot more than I teach them a lot of the time. Because they have different lives and different backgrounds and different perspectives on things. I think we are unexpectedly discipled by people more than we're even really aware of. And often a lot of the time by the people that we think we're discipling. I think we invest in each in others and through hearing those stories and hearing what they think about things we are massively impacted and changed and I'd call it accidental discipleship not that that sounds particularly academic but that's what I'd call that um and this is where Maisie reappears once again I think this is the last time now you'll be pleased to know um but in a slightly different capacity I have known Maisie for a couple of years now and I think it would be fair to say that our brains work quite differently we probably have quite different perspectives on a lot of things um, and I'd like to think that in my role as a youth worker that I have some sort of positive useful influence on you yeah, yeah. She's, she's nodding it's all good um, but what I can tell you is that I learn a massive amount from Maisie and her perspective on things and I often when we talk about situations that you're facing at school um, I often think oh, I should maybe I should just be a bit more like that because I feel like that would work well for me Um, but I'll talk less now and Maisie's going to share so my first question Maisie is who has discipled you? Um, Lots of people have discipled me many people in my church who welcome me um, and loads of people who I've known since I was like two when I first went to St Lawrence who have left church now but still um, help me enjoy going to church Um, My auntie, um, who used to live in Reading but moved away, um, 
I only really see her like once every year, but she comes down to talk to me, to go out um, for a drink with me, um, comes and watches me when I'm in performances and supports me with my interests, which really helps me. Um, Megan has helped me. Um, she helped. I didn't pay her to say any of this. I'd just like to make that disclaimer now. She's helped me get involved with singing and worship within church, as well as introduced me to new worship songs that I really enjoyed, such as We the Kingdom. And she's helped me engage with other youth activities as well. Um, and how does being discipled help you grow? Um, being discipled helps me feel more confident and accepted by the community. And when I feel overloaded and stressed, I know people are there to talk, like Megan, and like other people in church. Cool. And last question, who have you discipled? Um, So I'm doing DV, and so for volunteering, I decided to help church. Um, So I've done a lot of children's work, um, and I feel like leading children's work as a youth has helped engage them, because I'm I'm of a closer age, and I used to be involved in the children's work when I was younger and so I know lots of the girls in that group such as Jazzy who is one of the one of the girls who goes um a little girl called Ella who I've helped um become more comfortable in the church surroundings as we play with her out in the um big area and um one of my friends called Esme who doesn't necessarily go to church but she they used to go, but I invite her to lose the youth stuff, such as Monday Club and festivals like New Wine. Cool. Thanks, Maisie. Can you have, can we have a round of applause for Maisie? Thanks. She's good, isn't she? We like her. Um, so I have two reflections, really, off the back of what Maisie has shared and off the back of just reflecting on my relationship with Maisie. Um, And firstly, what I find really funny about the things that Maisie and I do together is that probably 14 years ago, um, someone encouraged slash forced me to be involved in worship um, over in that building. And I think it might have been more than one person that forced me to be involved in that. Um, But it was at what we used to call, um, for those of you who are around then, I think we used to call them edge worship. Is that? Yeah. And so that involved like a team of young people and um, some others leading worship for an evening. And uh, I think in equal parts, I loved and really hated those evenings. um, Because as much as I enjoyed singing and I enjoyed worship, uh, also the whole experience made me want to throw up. Um, So to a big extent, I really hated it. And it was just, it was a painful experience. Um, But there is literally no way that I'd ever have done that if someone or a collection of people hadn't made me kindly um, be involved. Ironically, I now frequently lead worship at St. Lawrence, um, meaning that I get to facilitate a space for Maisie and for others to be involved in leading worship too. And it's something that I honestly just don't think I ever would have done um, if I hadn't been encouraged to be involved all those years ago and I hadn't really been pushed and challenged to do something outside of my comfort zone. I can really see how how I was invested in 
um, as, as a member of this church and how I was discipled allows me now to invest in and disciple others. And that's probably a similar story for all of us. We've probably all got those people who we know invested in us um, as we were growing in our walk with Jesus. Um, but what's really cool is watching Maisie now be involved in children's work and being involved um, just in building relationships with children in the church um, and seeing how she's investing in others too. And I think that's really cool. Um, secondly, the thing about working with young people is that they are a different generation and they see things differently. They're growing up in quite a different world to the world that I grew up in. And as much as I might sometimes have some useful or you know, maybe wise stuff to say, um, I think I have a huge amount that I can learn from them, from their perspectives on things. And you might not work with young people. Most of you probably don't. Um, but you will undoubtedly have people in your spaces, in your settings, um, who come from different backgrounds and who have different perspectives on things. And you can learn from those people too. Like observe those people, see how they respond to things, see what you could learn from them, see what God might be teaching you through the people around you. Um, if you don't have those people who are different to you, you need to go out and find some people who are different to you because it makes us all really boring if we're just around the same people all the time. Um, but how does that actually point us back to Jesus? I think God is using us all the time and he's using those around us all the time. And so I think... I think to some extent we have a responsibility to be really open to what God might be teaching us through the people that it might seem unlikely for God to teach us through. One of the things that I particularly admire about Maisie is her boldness and her willingness to just be who she is and to say what she thinks about things. And I think as much as that might get her into trouble sometimes, yeah, um, it might get her into trouble sometimes, but um, I think there's a huge amount that I could learn from that. I think I'm not necessarily somebody who's super happy all the time to say exactly what I think, and I think I tend to be a bit guarded about saying what I think in a lot of situations. Um, and there's so many situations where I'll have conversations with Maisie about things going on at school, um, and I feel like I can really learn from her take on things and how she approaches things. And I think my learning from her could really benefit me as I seek to be more of who God has called me to be. I don't imagine that as Maisie is just around me being who she is, that she's thinking that she's discipling me. Are you thinking that? She's not thinking that. Um, I don't imagine she's thinking that, but actually this is, this is the wonderful thing about having those kind of relationships with people is that you're just learning stuff from people all the time. And I suppose the point I'm really trying to communicate is just to not disregard people, not to assume that you've got nothing that you could learn from someone, either because they're too different or because they're too similar to you. I think we all have our own stories and our own gifts and our own takes on things. And we'll never be better or more knowledgeable or wiser than everyone else in the world. I think, in my experience, often the most profound lessons that God has taught me have come from those who I've subconsciously just dismissed as having nothing to teach me. So to summarise, um, I think discipleship is a hugely important part of just who we are as people and particularly who we are as followers of Jesus. 
I think the impact of living out discipleship stretches so far beyond what we see in the moment and what we think the impact could be. And my encouragement to anyone today would be just to keep investing in your relationship with Jesus. Keep discipling those around you by living out who you believe God to be and to be really open to what God might be teaching you through those who you think you're discipling.